welcome, welcome, guys. We are back for another episode of The Lock In. I come to you this week from my empty old apartment. Apologies for the echoey sound. I have just moved house, but the internet won't be in for a couple of days. So I had to come back here to what is a, a very tiled room, a big open space. So the sound quality, maybe not up to scratch. Apologies for that ahead of time. I am joined as usual by, I'm going to call him Seniors Pro, Dara O'Carney. Dara, congrats on a fourth consecutive deep run in a row in Seniors events. Contrary to popular belief, I'm not eligible to play these yet. Correct. Yeah, you're not. Um, uh, yeah, I feel like I'm edging closer and closer to victory. Uh, I was fourth in London, uh, although technically it was a four-way chop, but then we played on, uh, and third in, in Galway. So it feels like I'm due in the, the second to next one that I play. Nice. I'm 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 just curious as to why you can't record this in your box room because it's this, it's the same apartment, right? It's the same apartment, but there's no desk and no table and no chair and nothing in it. So I would have to stand. I would have to hold the camera and stand for the entire thing. I thought you'd do that for the better sound quality, but um, <laughs> I guess you're not as much of a perfectionist as I thought. No, this is the only uh, piece of like nailed down furniture. I'm on a kitchen counter. That's all, all I can do. Um, joining us this week is the newsman of the chip race. He's a poker player. He's a poker author. He is the editor for PokerStrategy.com. But more importantly, he is the king of the slobber knockers, Barry Carter. That doesn't sound right, does it? <laughs> you have to go out to explain what a slobber knocker is now. Okay, I will. I will. Last week... He was a PKO wrecking ball on his way to taking down the Unibet Poker Slobber Knocker Series leaderboard with a whopping 117 knockouts across just 16 tournaments. Barry Carter, how did you do it? Um, well, it helps when you don't fold anything. That's that's certainly <laughs> a, a useful bit of advice in those things. Um, I, I, I ran really well in the first tournament and then I decided, right, I'm going to go for it then in the leaderboard. It's... Uh, so uh, I have to do it. I was going to give up after the first day if I'd not got a lot of knockouts, uh, but I did and I just carried on. And to be perfectly honest, I just ran really well in multi-way pots where I'd get two or three at a time. And, uh, <laughs> that's how you do it. <laughs> Buy my book. <laughs> it feels good. Okay, well, I, I've entitled, just I'm looking at my notes here, I entitled this section Slobber Knocker Glory, which, you know, just, you know, Knickerbocker Glory. So it's just like, a, like it's a dessert. Uh, how much credit, Barry, would you give to writing the book on PKOs? Um, I got it out. I almost forgot to bring it because it really is the... Uh, the red All right, Helmet, hem- hem- Jesus Christ. Um, but genuinely, a lot. Um, I, I, I know you wanted a, a tip. Like one of the, the significantly big sort of pieces of advice from the book that I would incorporate and advise other people to do is to know the hands that play well multi-way. So we're talking like suited Broadway hands um, because you you will get in lots of multi-way pots and a suited Broadway hand, it can make a straight, it can make a flush and sometimes making a pair is good enough and once in a while, your king high or your queen high might actually be good. So yeah, so that was a big thing. I I, I feel pretty comfortable playing in multi-way pots and PKOs. And again, just don't fold and then you've got half a chance. Just, in the just, just, just call everything. Dara, turning to you, uh, having a PKO series like this was really good fun, I have to say. And it did change the strategy somewhat because rather than the normal leaderboard approach of assigning points to finishing positions, Unibet made it pure and solely based on the number of knockouts you received across the whole festival. I know you only got to play maybe three or four nights of this, but what did you think of that idea? 
Yeah, it was a, a very interesting idea, and it, and it definitely changed the whole leaderboard dynamic because you could see that the people who uh, were chasing the leaderboard were were playing differently from mm-hmm. everybody else, from the way a normal person would play. I mean, this 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 was made abundantly clear to me the first time I was on Barry's table, and I think I min raised the button off. F- 500 big blinds deep and very <laughs> job from the big blind. I, 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 I had pocket twos. I was setting up the camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it was definitely a very different dynamic. Uh, a, 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 an interesting experiment. The, no, the numbers were obviously great. And um, the, yeah, it, I, th- I think it probably only really applied to the people who like Barry and yourself made a fast start. And then decided to go for the leaderboard. Uh, for everybody else, there was probably some extra equity from the fact that those players were playing a more gambling style, which mm. was probably slightly suboptimal as a result. Um, so I think that yeah, I think there was something there for everyone. Yeah, it sure was. I did similar, well, similar-ish to Barry. I didn't get off to the start he got off to, but I did get off to a reasonably good start. I think by day three, I knew I'd be kind of in the mix. I think I was maybe in the top 10, and then I was maybe sixth at the midway point and maybe third, three nights from the end, and had a very good, I think, Friday to get into second and then managed to take the lead on the penultimate night. And now, as of the time of recording, it will actually be done and dusted by the time this goes out. Uh, I am first... I am four knockouts clear on the high leaderboard. However, there is a player, and I i don't know for sure because obviously it's anonymous on Unibet, but I've pretty much worked out that the only person who, could, who took enough knockouts based on the amount of bounty that they have in front of them is the guy sitting in second in the main event right now with 17 left. So he needs five to win, four to tie. I don't know. what. How would you rate that, Daryl? Like, I think that's as close to a push as possible, maybe. That feels very, very close. Yeah, I mean, whoever wins the tournament is obviously going to claim the last two knockouts. So that's quite big. So if he doesn't win it, it would be difficult, I think, to get five knockouts and not win. Um, So I think he kind of has to go for the knockouts and hope that he wins as a result rather than play for the win. It's a a weird one. And again, it's kind of shows the different incentives of when you're... um, I mean, the the main event prize pool is presumably pretty big. So That's true. That could play against him. He might start thinking, actually, I want to win five grand rather than take all the knockouts. Yeah, there's competing incentives there. Like if I was going to make one change to the series going forward, I'd probably make everything a pure freeze out uh, rather than re-entry so that you don't have this competing incentive of people feeling they need to make... Make, uh, slightly minus EV re-entries because they're chasing the leaderboard and then that giving them an advantage over other people. That's true. I, I was I won the low leaderboard and I think my top leaderboard prize is quite a lot relative to the... I mean, I think it's pretty much it's bigger than any of the single prizes from the payout element of the tournament. So once I was one or two days in front, I was just making maniac calls for the most of the time. But yeah, if 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 there's a couple of grand up top in the last tournament and it's a grand for the leaderboard prize, you are going to have to make some difficult decisions. I didn't have any difficult decisions to make because it was quite cut and dry for me. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. And and there is a sort of a flattening of the difference between the low and the high, even though the lows probably average about maybe one eighth or one seventh the buy-in of the high. Um, so that is, that is an interesting one. And yeah, look, this is the first PKO series that we've run dedicated towards this exact format. The Slobber Knocker is a great name. It's it's everyone's favourite uh, new tournament on Unibet since Andy Payton created the new schedule. And, and obviously having a series dedicated to it, I think has been really popular and shown in the numbers. I have never seen Unibet busier in a week. 
honestly, the nightly schedule is booming right now. I know it's winter time and I know this is generally sort of the peak time of the year for poker, but my God, it's like it's just absolutely smashing it and it's great to see. From one gratuitous book plug to another, you guys have absolutely crushed it, I know. Dara keeps me in the loop on a fairly regular basis about the book sales stats propelled by the new book, GTO Poker Simplified. I know December was your biggest ever month as booksellers. Is that true? Yeah. Don, only. Yeah, it was big. <laughs> it was, um... well, look at the two of you both being modest. Oh, I don't want to add to that. I don't want to... Yeah, we had um, the, the biggest month ever and... It's negative correlation. We've done the least amount of marketing we've ever done for a book launch. Um, and uh, still, it's, it's sold very well. I think we've, we, Dara and I very quickly worked out that we've really hit upon something with the concept. I think a lot of books, um, you know, is GTO poker explained or how to crush GTO? But it's, you know, the, the GTO for dummies, for want of a better expression, we couldn't use that title. We probably would have if we could. Um, is something that people have been yearning for. And I think it's sort of really told in the kinds of people that are buying the book. I'm not going to out any individual one of them, but there's a lot of, you know, players who were very well known 15 years ago, kind of probably over the age of 40 that have contacted us and they've bought the book and, you know, some very well-known names. So I think there is a gap in the market for learning GTO um, step-by-step, paint-by-numbers, whatever you want to call it, um, that hasn't been exploited yet in the industry. So Dara, building on what Barry is saying there, that the book is essentially becoming the way into modern poker theory for some of the old guards, you guys put the word simplified in the title of this one, but in essence, simplifying complex stuff is, in my opinion anyway, your guys' poker brand. Uh, the book cover depicts a game of rock, paper, scissors, which is a nice hook into the core principle, I suppose, of game theory. Can you talk about your experience of writing this to reach the broadest possible market? Yeah, that was the specific goal of this book, um, more so than the other books. I mean, with Satellite, it was just a brain dump for me of everything I knew. And then we obviously tried to make it as, as accessible as possible. But still, a lot of people did say that they found the book quite difficult, um, for want of a better word, mathsy. Um, and one of the comments we're getting on the new book is there's it's less mathsy than the other ones, which is kind of weird given that it's GTO. But but there are very good books out there on GTO, which are aimed at people who are very familiar with game theory in general and and very mathematically adept. Um, but those books completely miss the audience of the people who who are not um, who are like Barry can barely count. Um, so uh, we um, it. it, it we were definitely trying to make it, you know, that was the, the whole point of the book was to try and simplify it as much as possible. Now we got lucky with the title because I think Barry just ran a poll and that one yeah. happened to win. It wasn't that far off. Me and Dara just saying, oh, should we just call it GTO Poker Simplified? Yeah, fine. Like it wasn't probably the single biggest economic decision that we've made on any single book. So yeah. I just wanted something different from GTO Poker Strategy. I didn't want to, Mm. Barry to be able to wedge his employer back back into the fold. <laughs> um, so, but 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 I think the title really sort of conveyed the message of what it, what it was really well, and that 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 that's what attracted people. Um, so I think we got lucky in that because we put so little thought into it. Um, 
but but it really worked out. But yeah, like the general principle is there are lots of players who have heard about GTO and maybe they've watched some videos and they've read some books and articles and they still don't really get it. And they've kind of given up and thought, well, this is just not for me. Um, but now that type of player is buying the book and finding that now they actually they they can understand it. It's not beyond them. Um, you know, we had a very nice review from Anne Lachlan saying that she, saying exactly that that she always thought it was beyond her but having read the book she realized that it wasn't and that's kind of the 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 demographic we've gone from we've always been a little bit surprised i guess sometimes by the readers of our books like the surprise on on the first one satellite was that guys who play high rollers like dietrich fast were buying the book um and so and 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 some real beasts and crushers and that that also happened on icm it's fair to say it's a different market this time um it's it's a more recreational market plus uh an older school market let's say uh let's say the old school who wants to learn about the new school and 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 i think crucially i think this market was scared to ask previously i i think this market has been shy about speaking up about not understanding certain concepts um and they can, you know, buy this book in anonymity, and many of them are uh, nice enough to say things publicly about it. But I think that kind of speaks to the fact that the whole GTO thing and solvers are quite alienating to people, and maybe the people that use them are a little bit alienating towards people as well. Yeah, I think we could have called this book everything you wanted to know about GTO, but we're afraid to ask. Yeah, um, that was that, that was very much a factor with a lot of people. You don't want the Woody Allen people on your back, though. You know they have enough they have enough litigious stuff to be getting on with. Yeah. <laughs> but look, I do wish you both uh, continued success with the book publishing empire that you are building. Uh, next up, I'm actually gonna. Have you take over the lead on this one, Barry? On the last episode of the Chip Race, you quizzed me on the new section on the poker stories from 2022. I feel like we're in danger of perhaps breaking something slightly similar to Larry David's rule if you can't say Happy New Year this far into January. But it is our first lock-in show of the new year, so I thought we would take a look back at some of the big stories of last year. Barry, please take the reins. Yeah, well, I I did, um, you know, the usual top 10 biggest stories of 2022 articles on poker strategy at the end of the year. Um, I shared with David the top 10 and in particular the top three. I don't want to go over it for too much. But uh, like in number three, I think I put the uh, the World Series main event nearly breaking all the records as the second biggest main event in a long time. Obviously, we're seeing lots and lots of pent up demand. We saw a former Unibet professional win the whole thing. Um, yeah, so I, I predicted that it would be the biggest one. Uh, I was just shy of that. I think it will be the biggest one this year. Um, so that certainly is, you know, my third biggest story of the year. I don't know if you want to break to discuss that or me to do the list in total. No, I, I, I will weigh in on that. Is that I think, yes, I, I agree. Obviously, it, there's always a sense that the World Series will feature somewhere in people's, you know, top five, top 10 list. And I guess you sticking it into number three there probably feels about right. What I would almost say is that if it could be a combined story, which I'm sure neither brand would want it to be. But the fact that the WPT created something in one year that is close to rivaling 
the World Series. Like, yes, it's about half the length, so it's not the same size. Yes, the main event was about half the same size, so not quite the same size. But in one year to create something like that in a venue like the win and do it to the quality that they did it, I think having maybe going forward the idea of a summer World Series and a winter WPT World Championships mm. is maybe like a combined story. I, I don't know whether I would have put that together myself. Daryl, what were your thoughts? You obviously played both as well. Yeah, I, I think in terms of sheer quality, the WPT actually blew them away. And I think everybody who was there had a really good experience and are likely to be back. But beyond that, I think they also created a huge stir. Like I was talking to different people afterwards who didn't, who weren't at the WPT and they were asking me, was it really as good as it sounded and and all these things. And they're all planning uh, to uh, to go next year now. So I think next year is going to be absolutely massive. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they if, if it's double the size that it was this year um, and they have an even fuller schedule. Another thing which um, I was talking to a friend of mine, Brer, about this, and he said that one of the reasons why he didn't go was because um, it, it, it felt like it was just the win we're having a series whereas when the WSP is on you know the Venetian have a big series the win have a big series etc cetera, etc cetera. so you have choice to play every day and, and, and in fact like there's an entire seniors week and a ladies week so if, if you're eligible for those tournaments you can go and play more than one whereas on this it seemed like okay the Venetian were running 0.4k bowls as uh, <laughs> as our friend Luke uh, was pointing out and Resource World were running a 600 every day but the other big um, <clears throat> casinos didn't really piggyback on that I think they will next year because they'll yeah. see an opportunity um, and, and it will become then truly sort of very much like a winter WSOP Very good What's up in number two Barry? Um, the uh, number two is the rise and fall, and a bit of a rise again, of the live-streamed cash games over in America, uh, most notably the Hustler live stream. Um, they, they had the big game with the the, um, the YouTubers and the Twitch guys, Mr. Beast and all that. That was a real glimpse into what poker could be uh, in the future. And then they had the uh, the infamous Robbie J. Lou story um, that seems to have been rec- uh, rectified, although some weirdos might still think there's some conspiracy going on there. Um, so ultimately, the whole thing was tarnished by the the cheating story that really wasn't a cheating story. Um, but the uh, you know the numbers. I mean, if if you were a site, if you were someone like Poker Go, you'd be devastated at the moment that a free YouTube channel is just blowing you out of the, out of the water. So yeah, the, the hustle of live, live streams, I think, is uh, for good and bad have been the, one of the biggest stories of the year. Well, Dara, maybe you can add some comment to that. I, I know you have a couple of friends who have played those streams, and I know as well you've actually been in touch with some of the people who run them as well over the years, or well, over the last couple of years anyway. I know live poker's only uh, tentatively back two years ago, but um, yeah, just in in terms of like, I suppose what they're trying to achieve, you know, you know, they're not really monetizing it as much as you think that they probably can down the line yet, but maybe that's a good strategy to try and just keep building an audience. Yeah, I think I think the hustler marketing is particularly brilliant. I mean, they they understand that they're selling it as reality TV, um, and they and they're doing what TV used to do, sort of build characters. Um, I was watching a stream last week with uh, with my friend Paulina, who was on the stream Poker Bunny, and they had sort of like a walk on clip for everybody, and they had like a basic this is this 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 is the interesting thing about this person, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, trying to build different characters and. Um, build a bit of conflict at the table, build storylines, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's a really good way to sell it rather than just 10 random pros play cash, um, which has tra- has traditionally been the way. Um, Live at the Bike have also been doing very well. They haven't gone quite 
the same reality driven uh, reality show driven model but they're they're also getting good numbers and i think what it's doing is it's creating uh, a new brand of um characters let's say which is something that poker has probably uh, not had in recent years uh, since since tv kind of pulled the plug i think youtube has massive potential and the people who are playing in these games uh, they they could be the new um you know the, the new helmets negranus ivies etc um if, if if they continue to market it uh, properly yeah leaping off that and to come back to you barry it is striking that youtube is sort of like the the destination now, obviously there's been a huge amount of investment for the best part of a decade now in Twitch poker sites. Maybe eight years ago, started putting money into Twitch. Uh, that seemed to be almost like a FOMO that the other sites had to then do it, whether there was any real evidence that it was uh, working well enough. Now, obviously, some streamers have done very well, and there's some absolutely brilliant streamers out there. But it, it does make me wonder if they wouldn't have just succeeded just the same way on YouTube, a more mainstream platform, and, and that this kind of gaming platform, Twitch, is a little niche and actually has maybe... I don't know, I didn't put the idea out there. I'm not saying this, but has it actually maybe constrained the growth of poker because it's in this slightly geeky, nerdy niche market rather than YouTube where it's obviously just out there? Like everyone goes on YouTube every day. Does everyone have a Twitch account? Probably not. Do a lot of poker players necessarily go check Twitch? Uh, yes, a lot of them do, but I, I don't think it has the same mass appeal. I um, I also wrote a predictions piece at Poker Strategy, and one of my big predictions is that I think YouTube is going to blow Twitch out of the water mm. just for the online streamers, like before you even think of live games. Um, I was really tipped off to this when Lex Feldhaus um, gave up his Twitch partner status, which is worth about 60 grand a year to him. Um, and he's, he, he has some shocking things to say about Twitch. He thinks that they have really just given up on poker, particularly after the um, the story of uh, gambling bans that have been on there, people streaming like illegal slots games and stuff like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I personally think that YouTube is going to be the only place to watch poker 12 months from now. I think Twitch has got to do something different, got to recommit to poker in some, some way for everybody not to do what Lex is, is doing right now. Yeah, your prediction is actually really, really close to what Darren and I have been saying for quite a few years in a way. Uh, I have a very good friend who works in the sort of interactive technology uh, sector, and he said to me years ago, and I mean years ago when I was twitching, I don't know if anyone remembers when I twitched, hopefully you've all forgotten, but it was about five years ago. And his first thing he said to me was like, why are you doing this on Twitch? This is, makes no sense. YouTube's a much broader platform. Yes, maybe Twitch will gather a bit of steam, but in the end of the day, a company as powerful as YouTube can just stomp all over as soon as they choose they want to. Like as soon as they go, oh, that seems to be a little niche of the market that is getting enough eyeballs on it. That'd be nice to add revenue for us. And YouTube will just step in and mush them in a second because of the enormous amount of resources they have by comparison. And I remember saying that to Dara really in the early days because even when I was doing it, because I was always skeptical about Twitch, even as a Twitcher. And, uh, and, I, and I think, Dara, over the years, our conversations have never really moved on from that. We still have always kind of thought that. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, it's, 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 it, Twitch just feels a little bit like uh, old school radio where you sort of tune into a late night uh, radio DJ and it's, it's kind of its own world, but it doesn't branch out. YouTube feels much more sort of general. Like when you watch a YouTube clip, it's generally shorter it recommends something else for you to watch immediately. Uh, you can see stuff on the side. So it feels like it's a better way of exposing the whole poker world um, uh, to, to to a very wide audience. Whereas, you know, I, 
I, I was at an event in Galway recently and there were a few Twitchers there and the subject of Twitch came up. Now, at least half the recreationals didn't even know what Twitch was. Mm. Um, and, there you go. And at least half of the others did, had never been on Twitch. And um, now, Twitchers obviously do a great job trying to get people onto that platform, et cetera, et cetera. And, but I, but I'm still, I've still always been very skeptical that they're actually spreading poker rather than just sort of appealing to the people who are already in in poker um that's i think maybe i think it's probably a much stronger customer retention tool than it is a customer acquisition tool as far as poker goes um i I think youtube is just a much better platform for reaching out to the mainstream well said barry number one well you know not all big stories are positive ones and without doubt the biggest story of 2022 was the the death of queen elizabeth ii (laughs) Sorry. Oh, God, I don't know how many people are going to cancel me for laughing at that, but I hope they... <laughs> uh, does she play a bit of poker? No, uh, I, I am, of course, uh, I am, of course, joking. R.I.P. But um, I mean, you're a brave man coming on an Irish podcast and saying that that's the biggest story of the year. <laughs> well, the biggest story of the year was um, several of the, the game's biggest winners being accused um, of cheating. Uh, with pretty substantial cheating allegations levelled against them. Uh, Bryn Kenny, the uh, dog guy, um, Jake Schindler <laughs> and Ali Imsermovic, uh, like pretty much, the, I think they're all in like the top five of the of the all-time money list that they were at the time, all on the Poker Go leaderboard. And pretty much we've not seen anything of them since uh, major cheating allegations were levelled against them around about March last year. Yeah, they have vanished off the face of the earth uh, in terms of, sort of TV poker for the most part. But but interestingly, uh, I have heard on the grapevine that this four poker site is almost out. Like it's like almost about to come out and they've got like 120 customer service people lined up ready to go. I can't imagine how much money they're going to burn. I massively predict a huge failure there. But I guess the people who invested were probably a lot of high roller people who knew Bryn and had the impression of they were dealing with the brain of the reputation of three years ago, which was not tarnished in this way and therefore were willing to put their money behind it. And now it's going to come out, but it's going to be sullied by his name. And yeah, before we move on to the, the, the Ali Jake stuff, Daryl, what do you think of the chances of four poker and Bryn Kenny going forward? Well, on the face of it, I mean, it does look difficult, but then I'm constantly reminded by the fact that like a lot of the things that we see as big stories because we're on Twitter every day reading all this stuff really really doesn't have much reach and I wonder how many of the target audience of the site even know about this the cheating scandals um like I've I've had people ask me about them I've had other people express complete ignorance of them um by contrast the Robbie Jade Lou story uh got got far more attention um among that particular audience and my favorite conspiracy theory about that is that that was the response of uh the poker pros to sort of try to deflect from from their own cheating uh accusing an attractive woman it's certainly you know that's the cheating story everybody talked about uh I would say that if I went to my next live tournament here in Ireland and I asked people what so what do you think about this Bryn Kenny cheating I'd I'd set the line at two at the, on the number of people at the table who would even have heard about it. Mm, interesting. And then turning to Jake and Ali, obviously um, that was sort of you know being sent home. I, I, we can't say that one hundred percent for sure. Allegedly uh, told after one tournament in uh, was it Cannes or no? It was in Monte Carlo. You're not welcome. Go home, lads. 
Um, that seemed to be what happened. They played the 100K on the first day and then didn't play the rest of it and haven't played a game since. So it was almost like there was a little delayed reaction where they came in to buy in. Something went wrong where the online band guys could jump in the live and then they realized who they were and then they didn't let them go back. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. But, you know, again, just that's... I, yeah, I, I heard a slightly different version. I heard it was that, that, that the ban only came in place when all the players basically came together and said it's not acceptable. Yeah, that, yeah, that okay. makes sense because they were able to play the first tournament. Yeah. And um, and if you did your poll at those tables, 100% of every player will have known about the story because it's a supply yeah. roller. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's proof positive that kind of peer pressure in small player pools, at least, will uh, will level out. Again, we see this on the Hustle and Live stream. If some of the big rollers don't want the people to play in the tournament, in, in the cash game, they're gone. Um so it's uh, easy. I guess it's easier to police the the high stakes guys than it is to place police a one thousand runner tournament in that respect. For sure, and it's also interesting because obviously the the Jake Alley stuff had been a very large part of the rumor mill. Many would say more than rumor. There was some a level of you know corroboration and, and and knowledge about this going on beforehand. So much so that when I was on uh, the Orbis on their Christmas episode the year before last, so like kind of 12 months, 13 months ago, I was asked what was my prediction for next year. My prediction was actually that there would be a really high profile cheating scandal. And and I was a little cheeky in the end. I said, I'm sure of it uh, at the end of it, because, you know, he was the name being talked about. And and I guess, I suppose it's a good thing. You know, I, I, you know, hopefully he's not finding his way into games online under aliases or under ghost accounts. Who knows? He probably is somehow. If, yeah, if, if he really wants to, I imagine security is trying to play that game of cat and mouse, but it's, uh, it, it is such a shame for our game to have so many of the, the big notables um, tarnished with this cheating brush. And uh, hopefully it doesn't do any uh, long-term damage and, and the fact I, that they were caught. Go on. I, I am pleased that uh, when the, when the sort of the allegations about Jake and Ali and Bryn came out, that was, I think it was about March last year. And I am quite, I, I actually expected the floodgates to really open. And then we found out that everybody was cheating, like every household name. And that seems to have, it seemed to stop at those three. So I'm kind of hopeful that probably a bit naive that maybe that's the worst of it from the high roller scene, at least. And, uh, you know, maybe poker's got a bit of, um, you know, a slightly more positive reputational repair period coming up. You know. Yeah, the only thing I would say about this is this this reminds me very much of athletics where they catch three of the top 100 runners in the world uh, taking drugs and people don't think, oh, that's great. So it's 97% clean. They think, mm-hmm. oh, they're all at it. They're all juicing. Um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. when it's, 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 you think about the people that are being talked about, not the people who are not being talked about. If you're, if you're just a random person. And when you hear these three guys are all allegedly cheating, um, I think the, 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 the natural leap is the one that you made to think, oh, well, there must be lots of other guys doing it too. And even, even if that's not the case, I think this does a lot of reputational damage to poker. It's interesting that there has always been this um, question in recreational players' minds about online, but now we're seeing more and more of it live. Uh, but mm-hmm. all the biggest, re- re- most recent cheating scandals are live. And this sometimes comes up as, at tables too. And I, I, and I tell people, to be honest, I actually feel more comfortable playing online because I know that the regulated sites are at least doing everything they can to try and catch cheats. And, and they're actually quite good at it. Um, I think live operators 
varying degrees of of, of watchfulness on this. Um, again, I was in Galway recently. There was an interesting case on the table next to me of a guy who was using um, a solver in real time. Uh, oh. And a player came to me and asked me, is this legal? And I said, he can he can look at charts between hands, but he can't do it while he's in the middle of a hand. So the, so, uh, the player was, I know, well, Brian went back, kept an eye on the guy, spotted that he was actually using it mid-hand. Um, oh, wow. Immediately called floor staff. And floor staff handled it really well. Uh, Ramona, who's one of the best TDs on the Irish scene, said, if we catch you doing that, we will disqualify you immediately. Um, now, I don't think that other organizers are necessarily uh as as aware of the threat uh to live poker there's always this feeling oh well live poker is fine you know how can they cheat but uh it's something for players to watch out for and it's something for organizers to be aware of yeah really well said well in terms of upcoming live poker because i guess a lot of people are sort of working out their schedules and maybe thinking of some poker trips um it's fair to say that it's been slow enough start to the year there's been a few stops but we do have the pca uh, on the horizon, the PSPC tournament will be in the Bahamas and uh, the Merit Poker Western Series in Cyprus is also going to take place. Uh, actually, it's probably just about started now. Uh, Unibet are partnered with the Festival Series, which is going to be in Nottingham in February. Also in February, the Unibet Deep Stack Open is going to be in Aix-de-Provence with a very sexy uh, stop in Cannes scheduled for uh March. There will also be some announcements coming soon, but I am not at liberty to say anything about them, so I won't just yes, no leaky lapping on this episode at least. What I can say though about Unibet is we will be having a spring championship of poker in February and there will be a chip race poker series on Unibet. We hope in March, it may be April, but March or April, uh, which Darren and I are going to help tailor with our Unibet colleagues, Andy Payton and Sebastian Rebhan. It's going to take a similar shape to the Slobber Knocker series in the sense that we want it to be a one-week festival. We want it to be a bit like bish, bash, bosh, Sunday to Sunday type of thing. Dara, what is your hope with the first chip race poker series? Um, well, my first hope is that you don't use bat picks to promote it. <laughs> I think that would that, that 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 could leave it dead in the water, if you'll pardon the pun. Um, yeah, I think uh, it will be interesting to 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 see what how, how this series goes and how much power the chip race name really has. Um, it's 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 obviously a great honor to us. Um, we brought back the chip race almost as an afterthought uh, when we signed on with Unibet, and it's and it's really grown under under Unibet, and that's largely down to Unibet that, that they've allowed us to just do do what we want with it and not turn it into a horrible piece of corporate um shilling stuff that 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 so many podcasts and so much content in in the poker space is. So yeah, high hopes for the series. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, Barry, do you fancy yourself taking this one down as well? No, but I was going to suggest that you call one of the tournaments uh, you know Barry Slobinocker Glory. I think that's a I, I I am pretty sure we will. <laughs> um yeah yeah I will, I will i will play that for sure yeah we'll have a bit of fun with the names and then of course we have good knowledge uh oh, in-house with andy uh-huh. i've got a brilliant idea for a tournament go on go on give us one more go on give us one more name idea um it's an open tournament uh-huh. it's, called, it's called no ian's right and everyone can play it except for ian um <laughs> so, so... <laughs> <laughs> just banning but, 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 we, but, we, but we'll invite some other random person called Ian Simpson and let him play. And then if Ian Simpson, the old newsman, has a problem with it, we can say, no, it's called no Ian Simpsons. We're allowed one. Uh, 
That was a, that was a long walk. Back. That was a very long walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, it's a Simpsons. It's a, it's a TV show, The Simpsons reference. Yeah. Oh, I get it now. I get like it. four guys that love that joke. <laughs> None of them were in this room. No, no. <laughs> well, look, before we go, Barry, I know you want to do a little giveaway. It's obviously you and Dara together doing this giveaway. Can you tell the viewers what it is? Oh, I didn't realise we were giving it away on the on the stream. I, I suggested we do it for the for the tweets that you do, but well, uh, we will. No, we'll no, the, no, the, no, the, we'll, we'll do the tweets not, promoting. We'll also okay, mention. Okay, so you've enjoyed this episode. It's been hilarious. You like my joke about Queen Elizabeth. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm going to give away five digital copies of PKO Poker Strategy to celebrate the fact that I kept calling badly and getting it and getting there with uh, for the Slobberknocker series. So um, wait, go to the Chip Race Twitter page. Look for the. Um, tweet announcing this episode like it retweet it and you're in a raffle to win one of five digital copies of pko poker strategy excellent stuff still, still peddling the old book on the new books there i like to see it no, this, one never, this one never sold we've got to get rid of it child in the batch of four yeah <laughs> I love that book. Uh, well, look, that is it for another edition of The Lock. And I mentioned the Merit Poker Western Series in Cyprus there earlier. I'm off to that to commentate on their warm-up event. Please check me out there this week on the Merit Poker YouTube channel and on the Merit Poker website. Until the very next episode of The Chip Race, Barry Carter, thank you. Thank you. And until the very next episode of The Chip Race, Darrow Kearney, thank you. Thank you, David, and have fun in Cyprus. Thanks a million, guys. Take care. <laughs>